All right, um, before we get started uh, this morning, I want to show you what my morning, how it started off. I have a picture. I think I have a picture. Oh, yeah, there it is. Uh, that is my house. Uh, that is my backyard taken from my roof um, at 5.30 a.m. this morning. Yeah, that is uh, my neighbor's house behind, directly behind, and then our other neighbor behind uh, our house, which we share about, about eight feet, kind of crosses over. You know how houses kind of back up? And this morning, my alarm went off at 5.30 a.m. I, I didn't wake up at 5.30 a.m. because my alarm was going off at 5.30 a.m., which means my wife wakes up at 5.30 a.m. to wake me up <laughs> at 5.30 a.m., but instead of saying, Josh, you really have to get up, you're preaching today, she said, Josh, there's a fire. And I said, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> she, she said, there's a fire. And I'm like, who are you? Who am I? What's happening? It's 5.30 a.m. You're not supposed to say that kind of stuff to people. But there was this raging fire, and this is after it had calmed down a bit. Uh, we got our kids out of the house. We called our neighbors. I called 911. Um, I didn't know exactly what address it was, so I was trying to figure it out on my map to tell the fire department which house it exactly was on the other side of the street behind me, the block over. Kate had the kids and the neighbors and their kids uh, across the street, and there were uh, propane tanks exploding in my backyard. <laughs> Crazy, huh? And I'm on my roof with a hose because we have the original Cedar Shake roof from the 60s. And I'm going, oh my gosh, this is all going down. And I'm on the phone with Brian at 5.30 and I'm saying, there's a fire. And he's going, what? <laughs> and I said, I may or may not be in later this morning. So that is kind of how my uh, morning went. And I don't know why I didn't think that this would happen this morning. I don't know why Curtis didn't plan on something like this happening this morning. Because he knew I was preaching this morning. And he knew that every time I do preach, something does happen. And when I do preach about the Holy Spirit, stuff catches on fire. Right? It's just like the book of Acts. Now we're starting this series on the forgotten God, this highlighting this third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And while God hasn't changed over the years since, well, the first one, since creation, uh, God's people and the way we've talked about God and talked about the Holy Spirit really has changed over time. And during what we call the, the patriotic period. It's the early church after the time of the apostles. It's also called this time of the church fathers. It's like 100 CE or, or AD, 100 years after Jesus to about 451, maybe even up until 700. It depends on what history book you read, is this time period. And, and during this time of the church fathers, there was this great theological debate between this guy named Arius and, and this guy named Athanasius. And they were debating on whether, uh, on how much of Jesus uh, was fully God and how much of Jesus was fully man. And it led to other historical figures of this time, like uh, names you may remember, like Justin 
martyr and Irenaeus and, and Tertullian uh, to begin discussing the Holy Spirit. But they were discussing the Holy Spirit only really in relation to God the Father or Jesus the Son. And then during medieval times, theologians would get together and settle debates by trading lances and sword fights. I'm just kidding. <laughs> they didn't really do that. But in my mind, at medieval times, when you're eating one of those big chicken wings, you know, like, or whatever it is, that's kind of what it was like. No, uh, in medieval times, theologians were uh, discussing the relationship during, uh, with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And those in the Eastern Church uh, were asserting that the Holy Spirit proceeds only from the Father alone. And those that were in the Western Church kind of finally settled that the Holy Spirit proceeds from both the Father and the Son. Then in the 16th century, again, things started to change. And the Church started to kind of re-examine the relationship between the Holy Spirit and the Holy Scriptures. And Martin Luther and, and, and John Calvin, they, they both were convinced, believing that the Spirit has the authority to work in the, the life of the individual believer, especially when it came to illuminating God's scripture to them. And then other theologians at this time, they believed that only the church had the authority in interpreting the holy word for the way that the church would go. Today, though, the church is really kind of all over the place when it comes to the uh, Holy Spirit, right? Kind of the beliefs about the Holy Spirit with various traditions and, and, and cultural influences and, and interpretations of Scripture. There are some within the church that believe that the Spirit of God and the, and the fruits of these spirits, like speaking in tongues, it really ended in that time of Acts and the time of the apostles. And others that believe that God's Spirit is totally active and, and powerful and can be harnessed for the physical healing of other people in Jesus' name. We have this wide variant. So now I want to do a little bit of interactive time. Growing up, what did, if you grew up in the church or grew up in a family of faith, how did you talk about the Holy Spirit? What were some of the things that you said about it? And just say it out loud, but not too loud so your breath doesn't go through your mask. <laughs> this is the interactive part where you shout out. <laughs> What, did, what were some of the things that were said about the Holy Spirit when you were growing up? Be filled, Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's right. What else? Comforter. Comforter. Holy Spirit was the comforter. Yeah. 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 Holy Ghost. Is that Holy Ghost? Is that separate than the Holy Spirit? Are there two of them? Is it like a, is it like a sub-spirit? Right? No, totally. Yeah. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. What else? Anything else? Whoa, whoa, now we're getting crazy. What's that? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. What else? Was one of the Trinity. It's fully God, right? Fully God. A mystery, yeah. It's like all these explanations of what the Holy Spirit was, but also a mystery. It's like you have an explanation, but it's also a mystery. Come on, right? So we have, we're all over the place really today, depending on kind of where our tradition comes. But there's a theologian named Rudolf Boltman who uh, believes that essentially, essentially there are two ways to think about the Holy Spirit. 
And he says there's what's called an animistic way, not animalistic, but animistic, like animation, right? Animistic and dynamistic, like dino, like movement, like action. In animistic thinking, Bolton writes that the Holy Spirit is, is like this independent agent, from humanity, right? An independent agent from humanity, a personal power which can fall upon a person and take possession of them, enabling them or compelling them to perform manifestations of power. That God's spirit would would be just infused inside of a person and take over and do God's wonders, this animistic way of thinking about God's spirit. And the other way is uh, dynamistic thought. That the Holy Spirit, according to Boltman, in this dynamistic way, uh, appears as this impersonal force that fills this uh, humankind like fluid. And both kinds of thought appear in, in Jewish and Christian scripture, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But the animistic is, is more common in the Old Testament, whereas the dynamistic thought is more common in the New Testament. This also coincides with the Holy Spirit as either kind of like this temporary or, or, or permanent gift. In the Old Testament or in Jewish thought, it's primarily temporary. That God's Spirit will come on a person for a specific situation or, or, or with a specific task in mind. Whereas in the New Testament and in a lot of historical Christianity, we have the concept of more as the gift of the Holy Spirit resides permanently within the life of the believer, right? It's this filling up of the life of the believer. I'm sure you're going to be hearing again and again from us during the series that the word for Holy Spirit used in the New Testament is pneuma. Right? The pneuma is this Greek word for Holy Spirit, but it's also the word used for both air and wind. But it's, it's more like the air that you breathe in than just the air that's up in the sky. It, it's like the literal life force of, of the action of breathing in and the interaction between you and your lungs giving you air for breath and sustaining life. Pneuma is that kind of air, that breath, that wind of life. Later on, this Greek word would continue to evolve. And and in the 5th century, doctors and physicians drew a distinction between a person's inward or innate pneuma, their inward or innate breath, or their spirit, or their air, And the literal air sucked into their lungs, so they would say there's this air of spirit that we're breathing, but also the literal air, and it became morphed and and closer to how we would think of the person's soul. The Stoics believed that pneuma, or spirit, was the elemental principle that bonded and defined all that existed within creation and and came to be regarded, that that fifth element, as the fifth element of along with air, fire, water, and land, that everything that God had made was made of spirit, air, fire, water, or earth. The only modern-day correlation um, that I could really think of during this time uh, is uh, without, is, is like a combustion engine, right, in your car. Anybody you have a gasoline engine in their car? <laughs> Me too. Uh, the Holy Spirit's kind of like the gas and the oil that go in your engine, right? 
it doesn't really work without it, right? All the parts may be there, but it's not going to work without it. And it needs fuel, and it needs to have all that lubrication in there for it to be able to go and do all its stuff, right? So speaking of gas, that could be awkward, huh, if you don't <laughs> have the right context. I, I'm really actually embarrassed to admit this. Uh, and it's a story that happened to me recently. Um, and I haven't told a single other person. I haven't even told this story to my wife yet because I'm that embarrassed about it. But before I do, just if you don't know me, uh, I'm fairly comfortable with getting my hands greasy and working on cars. With a caveat, as long as there is a full DIY, do-it-yourself YouTube presentation that I can follow along, totally game. I'm totally doing it, right? I, I don't mind getting greasy and getting in there, and, and I like to work on cars, and I'm pretty comfortable with cars, um, pretty comfortable, enough to get in trouble more than anything else, right, to working on, working on my cars. So I say that uh, as a precursor for this story. So I needed gas this last week, and I s decide, like any other person, when you need gas, what do you do? Go to the gas station. You're tracking with me so far. Wasn't going to Costco. I don't have a Costco membership. My wife has a Costco membership, but I don't have a Costco membership. So I go to the gas station, right, the regular gas station. And I'm pulling into this gas station, and there's a fair amount of cars in the gas station. Most of the, uh, of the pumps are, are occupied at the time, but not a crazy amount, but, you know, a fair amount. And, and it's a gas station that's kind of on this odd corner where it's like this long kind of triangle. And there's a parking lot up here. I'll do it like this. So you can see there's a parking lot up here, and the gas station is right here. And the entrance to get into the gas station is like down by my elbows, right? And there's one on this side that comes, and then one on that side. And so I'm driving down, and I'm going to pull into the gas station on uh, one side of it. And as I do, I see that the island that has the, there's two islands with the pumps, right? There's, there's like three pumps here and like three pumps here. That the pump in the middle of the island that's closest to me does not have a car. And the guy that's right here, that's closest to me, is getting in his car, and he's leaving. He just finished pumping. So I'm like, sweet, I'm going to pull in and get into that middle spot. Because my car is shorter than uh, the average car, and I can fit in that middle spot really easily, and I can leave that other spot for someone else. Pretty courteous, right? <laughs> Don't you wish other people would do that? How often do you get into a gas station and you're like, why couldn't you have just pulled up to the middle spot, right? We're waiting. So I, I'm uh, pulling in to do this, um, and the problem is that this gas station, uh, because it's on this V and it's two busy roads, if the car that's pulling into the gas station isn't able to fully pull in and there's a car that's behind them pulling in, it backs up traffic this way, and it, gets, it can get pretty uh, congested. And the same thing coming from this side over here. And as I'm pulling in, and I'm looking to my left, and I see that this spot is open there, and this guy is starting to come out here. I'm here, he's here, and then this mom in the largest sport utility vehicle, soccer practice, ballet recital thing, it was huge. It was the size of a brontosaurus rex. That's not even a real dinosaur, and it was that side, and it was coming straight at me. 
I'm pulling in and this huge monster truck is headed straight for me and I'm like, and she's gunning it. And I'm like, this is it. <laughs> I just pulled in, right? So I do my thing, like I always do when I'm behind the wheel, is I get road rage. <laughs> and I throw up my hands and I go, what are you doing? And in my head, I'm going, don't you know how to drive? You're on the wrong side of the parking lot. You're making it harder on everyone else. And then I notice in my, out of my peripheral vision on my left side uh, some movement. And I see on this movement, and all this is ha happening at once, and I realize the reason that this gigantic monster truck is swerving towards me uh, is that she's trying to swerve around in a parking lot a homeless man that was walking across there to get from one trash can to another to look for cans. And she's in too much of a hurry to wait, so she's trying to get around him without stopping, even though there's still a car trying to wait to get out, so it doesn't even save her any time. It just makes it so she gets to her spot in line about four seconds faster than if she would have just waited. And I was just sitting there going, isn't that a sad story about where our world is today? And I, honestly, I hope that breaks your heart a little bit. There are people out there who are, who are so out of tune with the Holy Spirit that just their normal everyday life, that preserving your spot seems more important than this man who is just scrounging through the trash looking for what you and I throw away so we can make a few dollars for that day. I hope it breaks your heart because the woman driving this van, this monster truck, not van, I don't know what it was, this gigantic vehicle, she had a carload full of kids. And you know what? Maybe she was actually just borrowing her neighbor's car because her minivan broke down. And maybe she wasn't trying to get around him. Maybe she was trying to not run over him. And she wasn't real confident in this huge vehicle that she was driving. Maybe I was the one sitting in there. Maybe I was the one that just didn't care. Because I'm still throwing my temper tantrum. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're making it harder on everyone else. Of course this is happening to me right now. I'm in a hurry. Don't they know I've got to go do this? Don't they know I just came from this? Don't they know that I am in a hurry? I hope it breaks your heart because I have to be honest. The part I'm embarrassed about, there's two things I'm embarrassed about. The one I'm really embarrassed about is, is that it didn't break my heart because I didn't even notice. I was more concerned about getting into my own spot and more upset that she was in my way, even knowing why she wasn't in my way. I was so wrapped up in whatever it was that I was coming from and, and what I was going to do uh, that I almost didn't have the capacity to be open to God's Holy Spirit. And it didn't break my heart. I think today we have to be more open to God's spirit in the world around us. Might not have been thinking about how a, f uh, a good fellow citizen, if I had not 
been thinking about what a good fellow citizen I was being by trying to get in that middle pump to leave that spot open, right? Trying to not to, I wasn't thinking about how good I am, how good I was doing, then maybe, just maybe, I might have noticed that this woman might have been having a little bit of trouble trying to steer her car and just not hit a guy instead of thinking that she was just doing it to me. And to top it all off, when I did pull into the middle, when the man did make his way across and she did pull behind the other car and was able to exit and I was finally able to pull up to the gas station, I was so frustrated but determined to take the middle spot to fill my car up with gas and leave a spot for someone else like no one else does. And I should have noticed that the um, spot in the middle was a different kind of pump than they normally have. (laughs) It was a brand new pump. Um, And it wasn't diesel, don't worry. Some of you are like, he put diesel in his car. You can't put diesel in your gasoline, right? It's like they're different size things because if you put gasoline accidentally in your diesel engine, totally destroys your diesel engine. Don't worry, I didn't fill my car up with diesel. What I did fill my car up was eth- with, is ethanol. Some of you know what that is. Some of you don't. Some of you don't care. <laughs> Guess what? My car does not run on ethanol. Ethanol is made from corn. And it's, uh, some car engines are totally okay to run on ethanol. They have flex fuel vehicles. They're, uh, sports, not sports, uh, uh, Indy cars are run off of ethanol, but their engines are designed to run off ethanol. Flex fuel vehicles can run off gasoline or ethanol. A 1991 AMC Jeep Wrangler with a 4.0 liter gasoline engine does not run on ethanol. <laughs> and I filled my gas tank up halfway. And the only reason I noticed was because as I'm filling it up and I'm in my temper tantrum mood, I can think of like, well, the, the thing is green, uh, and this literally went through my head. The, the thing is green, but it's not diesel. I know it's not diesel. Biden's president now. Maybe we have to turn them all green. I don't know. <laughs> right? I'm just like trying to like think of whatever, like just trying to justify why I'm right in the middle of this situation instead of talk, taking a step back. And I noticed that the uh, price per gallon is going up much slower than the gallons that I'm putting in, which never happens in Orange County. And that's the only thing that tipped me off. And so I stopped. And uh, I was a little bit worried. I looked it up on my phone, and I think I'll be okay. But um, I realized my mistake because I, I was so out of tune with my environment I was so out of tune with uh, the people around me. I I was so out of tune with myself and out of tune with God's spirit uh, that I was just reacting to what was going on around me, doing what I needed to get done to get by. And I didn't realize I was making a mistake. Luckily, my mistake is is totally recoverable. Um, Uh, I just have to uh, periodically top off my gas with gasoline, and my Jeep runs like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. You guys remember that? (laughs) Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It's exactly how it runs. And once it burns all off, it'll it'll, uh, run better. I know you're all concerned. (laughs) As I am. But but I, honestly, I, I wish my heart had been in a better place. 
Because instead of blaming everyone else around me, I, if I would have just been a bit more aware, uh, in tune, maybe with God's spirit, maybe with what was happening around me, all of that could have been avoided. And how often are we so unaware of, of God's spirit that, that we just kind of fumble through life hoping, hoping to get it right? Maybe that's just me. But I'm willing to bet that there are some out there who feel the same way sometimes. The really cool thing is that the Holy Spirit is working in your life right now. Whether you are in tune or off key. Um, I have another picture. In the 80s, this is how my family rolled when we went on vacation. How many of you had one of these growing up? Did anyone else have one of these? A pickup truck with just a couple? Okay. I thought this was how everyone went on vacation. I would ride in the very top, uh, right in the front where that window is, listening to my books on tape, which were like little cassettes, and, uh, you know, my Walkman and whatever up top. And we would go on these amazing vacations in what we called Old Brown, which was my dad's pickup, which was not a GMC, but a Chevy pickup, and it was a brown pickup just like that, and we would go forever, and we would do just go to crazy places all over the United States and, and camp in the backwoods of everywhere, you know. Near the end of one of these marathon camping trips, we can take that down now, in the end of one of these marathon camping trips across the United States, uh, we had been gone for maybe a month and a half, two months, and, and we were coming back, and we were exhausted, and we were tired, and we decided, my dad decided that for the last night in the trip in August, that we were going to camp in Death Valley, California. <laughs> Super fun, right? I have no idea why, but it was 4 million degrees Celsius there. It was so hot, and we camped there. I don't, I don't know why. I, it's still a mystery to me. It's like the Holy Spirit. Um, I remember it being so hot that in the middle of the night, I got up, and I laid on the picnic table in my like, underwear as a child, laid on top of the picnic table because the slats underneath allowed a little bit of cool air to come up, under, and, and it cooled me off a little bit, or at least in my mind. And I remember just being miserable, like so hot that you're like, how do things survive right now? We're not going to make this. We're not going to make it through the night. But you know what I remember even more about that vacation and that time in Death Valley? Um, I remember being with my family. And I remember having fun. And, and being crazy and, and, and having adventures and getting lost. And I remember we, we would climb these rocks and we found these bat caves, with these, not, not like the bat cave, you know, like Batman, but like these actual real bats. And, and we would find these bat caves and then the bats would all fly out. And we were like, ah, right? And then uh, I remember we uh, got our fishing net, my brothers and I. I'm, I'm one of four boys, so you can pray for my mom. Um, <laughs> We got our fishing net, and it's about four feet long, right, and get trout and all that stuff, because we had found a feral cat in the desert, like a legitimate house cat that was feral, growing up wild, and me and my brothers were like, we're going to catch it and bring it home. <laughs> Guess what? We caught it. That cat almost killed us. <laughs> and it was awesome. 
It was just fun time, right? But I was a kid. I was open to, as a kid, I was open to having a different spirit that, that changed my perspective, that uh, allowed me to reframe what was really going around me at the time. I think that's something that we need from God's spirit today. We've become so used to being in a hurry, so used to, to focusing on what's wrong that we've tried to kind of block off that still small voice that reorients us to God's way. And perhaps you're sitting here this morning and like the early church, maybe uh, still trying to figure out this whole following after Jesus thing. And you're like, great, now, now I have to get to know and listen to the Holy Spirit now, too. It's not just Jesus, now it's the Holy Spirit and God. Don't worry about it. It's just as easy to listen to God as it is to ignore God in real life. Or, or maybe you're feeling like the medieval church. You find yourself trying to figure it all out, to, to find places that fit, to make sense of it all, but still living in kind of this old way of thinking, guess what? It's okay. It's going to be okay. You're going to make mistakes. Just try not to make the same mistakes the medieval church made because the, um, the uh, what were they? The Crusades. The Crusades were a bad idea, right? Try not to make the same mistakes. But take it a little easier on yourself. It's a lot to digest in life. And this living and listening to God thing you get better with practice as you keep going on and going on. Or maybe you find yourself somewhere like the Reformation in the 16th century. Your head is spinning. The world is getting bigger and bigger for you. And you just hope that you're ready for it and can take it on. Here's the point. God's spirit, this Holy Spirit, is here for you. Jesus says, it's here for you. Jesus says, look, I'm doing all this stuff so that you will have God in you. To guide you. To care for you. To look after you. And to help you do the same for other people. The point is that God's got your back. That God's got your front. That God's got your inside. And God's got your outside. Will you pray with me this morning?